This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 292, recorded Thursday, November 17th, 2016. You know what, Jason? I think I like the Thursday option. Yeah? This yeah. this day of Thurs? Not just this day of Thurs, but I think for the feedback show, the, the day of Thurs is going to be my new day of choice. Uh, okay. I, I hope that's okay with you. It, I like having the two days in between recording. It gives me a little more time to prepare and think about it and... And, uh, you know, do something else if I need to. When we record on Monday, I'm then preparing for Wednesday on Tuesday and then recording on Wednesday. And uh, I feel like it's just too rushed. So if we got that extra day and we do it on Thursdays, it's going to make my life better. What I think is actually happening, Chris, is that uh, on Mondays when you are doing the podcast, your kids miss you. And then by the time Thursday comes around, they're sick of you again. So you just like to disappear for a couple hours down into the uh, uh, the Talking Dead studio <laughs> without them so that they miss you again and you get uh, a little more time. You know, you get it like a Friday and a Saturday before they get sick of you again. You know, I am happy to report that my children are not quite at the age yet where they're sick of me. You know, oh, good. oldest one is nine. I'm sure in a few years she's going to be like, Dad, never talk to me again. But we're not we're not there yet. Yeah, just drive me to where I want to go, uh-huh. and then drop me off a block away so that nobody can see you. Yeah, because you're my dad. Yeah, yeah, and that's embarrassing. And then pick me up in three <laughs> hours, and uh, I'll meet you somewhere else where you know nobody knows who I am. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure I'll get to those days, but we're not there yet. Okay, well that's good. All right, so this is the feedback show for this week's episode of The Walking Dead, and uh, feedback shows are always fun, but there's something we have to do, Jason, before we get into the actual feedback. It's a must. It is. It's a must to do. It is, and in a way, it is feedback, because we asked people a question on Monday, and that question was, send in, or or, are there any villains out there in popular culture that are worse than Negan? And we got some responses. Oh, good. Is, is it, was it uh, the guy from Die Hard? Hans or what, Hans Gruber? <laughs> you know what? Unless, unless that came in in the last, I don't know, 20 minutes or half an hour, you know, before, or uh, which was the last time I checked. No, he's not on the list. But I'm going to okay. go through a bunch here. First, I'm going to play a call from Dave in England on this topic. Cool. Okay, uh, evil villains that um, you just really want to see getting their comeuppance. The one that comes to me is the real arsehole in Shawshank Redemption, the mean officer. Um, oh, he's just so bad. And and obviously the the, uh, the governor in uh, in Shawshank, not the governor in Walking Dead, the governor in Shawshank. He was a he was a real fuck as well. So, yeah, Shawshank Redemption, real two big bad guys in that. Great show, guys. Keep it going. Bye. Dave from England, by the way. All right. So Shawshank Redemption, that's that's Mm -hmm. not one I would have come up with at all, but there are some bad guys in that movie. There really are. So that's that's a good one. Uh, But at least Andy Dufresne does does their taxes and makes them a little nicer. Because when you do somebody's taxes, uh, they like you afterwards. 
That's true because nobody wants to do their own taxes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, that that's a good point. But they they're they're not very nice. They're not very nice people. So no more calls. But we have uh, Doctor D wrote in and said Rowan Pope from Scandal. Have you seen Scandal? I have not. Okay, so neither have I. Cigarette smoking man from the X Files. Oh yeah, Cancer Man. Yeah, Wilson Fisk from Daredevil, and Alexis Carrington from Dynasty. <laughs> <laughs> oh Alexis, I forgot about her. I'm looking forward to watching Daredevil. Still haven't seen it. Still looking forward to it. Yeah, there's a second season, I think. Yeah, the second season was great. Mostly, I thought. Um, now, I the only show, the only one there I've seen. Well, I've seen the X Files. I know Secret Smoking Man. I've seen Daredevil, so I know Wilson Fisk. Haven't watched Scandal and haven't watched Dynasty. Not so sure. I'd put Cancer Man or Wilson Fisk above Negan at this point. But I know you can't really comment. You haven't you haven't seen them either. So yeah. Uh, but fair enough. Bad uh, bad dudes. Alex in Seattle, Washington says Trinity and the Ice Truck Killer from Dexter. Oh yeah. Trinity played by um, uh, uh, John Lithgow. John Lithgow. That was that's that's my favorite uh, Dexter uh, antagonist. Oh, for of sure. All the seasons, like even. Uh, uh, damn it. It's been too long since I watched Dexter. Season two, Dokes. That's it. Uh, even Dokes, who uh, was better than, uh, as, as a person, was uh, a more enjoyable person than uh, uh, than John Lithgow's character. I have and, such the opposite reaction to that season two of Dexter. It That season two of, of that show almost made me stop watching the show. I hated it so much. Is it because of that British lady? No. Because my wife really hates that British lady. I don't honestly... Oh, I, I do know who you're talking about, but I did Pardon my tits, lady. <laughs> Was that Which from? is what Deb referred to her as. Oh. Because he, she came into his apartment one time, and she was topless in the fridge, and she said, oh, pardon my tits. Huh. And then Deb referred to her as, uh, pardon my tits, lady. Well, Deb knows how to how to lay oh, down the obscenities. She, she's she's a poet. <laughs> she really is. She's a, she's a swearing poet. <laughs> Deb's awesome. No, it was actually Dokes that I didn't like. And and not because I hated him as a villain. I just didn't like the character in any way. So it, it really turned me off. But I watched the rest of Dexter, loved most of it. And uh, I'll ha- I had a few things to say about the final season, series finale, which I did not like. You did not like? No. God, I thought the series finale of Dexter was one of the worst of all time. The last well, episode? We're going to have to disagree on that. I thought it was excellent. No, you didn't. You're you're, rem- didn't? you're you're misremembering, Jason. Nobody liked the series finale I've of Dexter. I've seen it twice. I've watched that whole series twice. Fair enough. There's lots of good, including Trinity in season four, I think. I have a friend who said at the end of season four of Dexter, what happens at the last in the end of the last episode, left her sitting jaw agape, staring at her blank TV for five minutes. It was so uh, shocking. And that's, that's, that's pretty good TV. Yeah. Uh, anyways, Jeff in St. Louis, Missouri writes, uh, David Brent from the British office. That guy was just the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Never saw it. Really? Really. Oh, dude. I watched the American office all the way through, but I never saw the British one. Oh, wow. I really hate Ricky Gervais. I, I really dislike him. Y- yeah, but I've you- never seen anything that he's ever done, been in or been near that I've liked. I, I generally agree with that. But if you'd watched The Office when it ran originally, that would have been your first introduction to him. So you wouldn't have built up that hatred for him yet. Oh, so I have to go back in time you and do. or erase my memory. One or the other. And then then you can watch it. If you can't do either of those things, I don't recommend it now, though, because I don't like that guy either. But he was 
aggravatingly entertaining on The Office. Right. Dan in Columbus, Ohio writes Hans Landa from Inglorious Bastards. Oh, yeah. Anton Chigurh from No Country for Old Men. And Mrs. Carmody from The Mist. Yeah, I'm, I'm not uh, recalling Mrs. Carmody from The Mist. Yeah, uh, me neither. Okay, but Anton Chigurh, good choice. Uh, and I'm, I uh, am embarrassed to admit I have not seen Inglorious Bastards, so I don't know about Hans Landa from the movie. We got to watch that. I know, I know. Uh, Jim the Trucker writes, The drug dealer in Breaking Bad that owned the chicken place. That would be Gus Fring. Gus, yeah. Pretty good villain. Uh, still, though, I don't feel like we've hit on anyone that I'm aware of that makes me as angry as Negan. What was the, the chicken place name? It was uh, Hermanos Polos. Yeah. Polos Hermanos. Something like that. Chicken Brothers. Yeah, that's, that's right. a good name. <laughs> it's pretty that's good. a good name. Uh, Katie on the internet writes, Ursula from The Little Mermaid. Uh, another vote from a- for Anton Chigurh, and Katie says the entire year of 2016, man, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy in particular. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I can't really disagree with that, and and I don't know if Katie's 2016 has been as difficult as mine, but uh, I agree with her. My entire 2016 has been dealing with my wife's pregnancy and newborn son. Uh, everything else is kind of paling in comparison. So I don't necessarily agree outside of my little world. Yeah, fuck that guy. But uh, <laughs> my little my little world so far in 2016 is completely uh, centered around my, my son. So yeah, no, I, I'm, I, I'm I com- okay with it. I completely get that you would have a different outlook on this year. Your first child was born. That's pretty exciting. That makes yeah. for a good time. Uh, me, not so much. No. Okay, but then, Jason, there is one or two more that have not been mentioned in the list yet, but were mentioned by the vast majority of people that wrote in. And I'm rather surprised, to be honest, on Monday that we did not immediately come up with one and or both of these villains. Carol? (laughs) No. No, no. Um, She's killed as many people as the governor. Like, she's killed more kids (sighs) Then, uh, then Negan has killed people. Yeah, sure, that's fair enough. But it's <laughs> it's not a it's not a Walking Dead character. Oh, okay. Do you want to take a shot? Do you have anyone else in mind that you think might be on this list? It's it's if you don't get it, you're going to kick yourself thinking, how did we not come up with that? Uh I am trying to think, <laughs> and it's not really working. Well, no, I I got nothing. All right, so the the overwhelming majority of villains worse than Negan, and here's the here's ones that I do in fact pretty much agree with, are Ramsey Bolton, and or Joffrey Baratheon from Game of Thrones. Joffrey, that uh, yeah okay, so I'll go with uh, Joffrey. Yep, I'll uh, I'll admit Joffrey, man, we hated that guy so much. We hated him so much that the actor quit acting. Yeah, I know. And, like, I I felt that hate for that character. I was, well, we can't spoil Game of Thrones, but uh, I hate that character, Joffrey. Now, Ramsay got mentioned more in in people emailing us. So I think in general, people hate Ramsay as much, if not more. It could be. But, you know, the actor's not, hasn't quit acting because of the the role. Maybe he's a little more thick-skinned. The guy who played Joffrey was younger, too. Yeah, he was only 20. He said he'd been acting since he was eight. And he hit 20 and decided that that wasn't for him. And so uh, he got into uh, puppetry. Really? 
Yeah. Actual little... while. Okay, why not? <laughs> well, yeah. of all the people that wrote in that mentioned one or both of those, it's Zdenyak from the Czech Republic, Gemma from South Wales, Sarah on the internet, Jerry on the internet, Larry in Fort Worth, Texas, Jaina in Pierre, South Dakota, Lauren in Massachusetts, Michelle on the internet, Faisal on the internet, Zoe in Kent, England, Jody in Toronto, Lilia in Toronto, and Clyde in Maryland. Nice. Yeah, that's pretty good. I, I wanted to mention everybody there if I could. So They're ran- talking about a Game of Thrones prequel. Uh, because we're wrapping up the final season of Game of Thrones coming up, right? Uh, so they're not going to drop that property and go, you know what? That was a good run. We'll just let that go and, yeah. you know, not make any more money off of that whatsoever. Yeah. So they're they're going to do a prequel. Yeah, you mean HBO's I, talking about it. Yeah. Yeah, I heard that I too. That, that's going to be awesome. I think so. I, it'd be interesting to find out how uh, how many years before it takes place. Well, I assume it would involve uh, the Mad King and that whole uh, that whole situation. Oh, so that's not that far before at all. It'll lead right into season one of what we currently know as Game of Thrones. Yeah, it could be, or Possibly. it could be, uh, you know, how uh, they came across from uh, Virilian or whatever that place is called and uh, took over the, the the Seven Kingdoms with dragons. That'd be cool, too. That would be very cool. Anyways, people really hate Ramsey Bolton and Joffrey Baratheon, and, and I, I am on board with that. I think both of those guys made me, in a lot of ways, more angry than Negan has. So good call. Good call, everybody. Yeah, it was very good. All right, let's get into our feedback now for season seven, episode four. Listener feedback. All right, we are going to start here with a call from Designer Will. Hey, guys, Designer Will from Brooklyn. Just wanted to point out um, Sasha. No one pointed out that she was missing from the previous episode, even when Eugene said, hey, not everyone's here. Just wondering if anyone else noticed. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. Sasha. Uh, oops. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To be to be fair, I didn't notice either. Um, so the people that were missing were uh, Rosita and um, Spencer because they were out getting the motorcycle. We know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maggie, because she's either playing dead in that grave or she's mm-hmm. at the hilltop getting medical treatment. Yep. Sasha is with Maggie. Probably. Probably because she said, I'm going to help you get there. Right. In yep. the first episode. And then we also forgot about Tara and Heath. Well, that that makes sense why they're not there. Like, they buggered off last season, right? So, I mean, I just assumed that we wrote them out of continuity until they show up later. Sure, but, but in terms of um, what Eugene is saying, he looks around as if he's just noticing that someone's missing. So, like, who would he be referring to? It would have to be Sasha? You would think he would know where everybody is. Well, Sasha's got a pretty, oh, she had a pretty significant firearm. So I don't know where that is. It's probably gone. It's, it must be with her, I guess. Um, but, and, and the other thing is Negan is aware of her because she was in the lineup. So, you know, may, maybe he doesn't remember everyone. Maybe he's not going to walk in and be like, ah, oh, that person's not here. Where are they? But it's still seems strange a little bit that, that uh, Eugene would look around and be surprised that someone's there. And, and I still feel like it's just him reminding the audience that not everyone is in the room. Right. A little bit. So I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, it is. All right. Next, we have another call from Zafar in Mississauga. Hi, Chris and Jason. This is Zafar from Down the Road in Mississauga. Um, I'm a longtime listener and have listened to all 290 episodes and I've enjoyed every one of them. 
I've never sent audio feedback before, but this time I have a couple of questions for episode 4 service. Um, my first question is, why do you think Olivia showed Negan the inventory book? As far as Negan was concerned, Olivia could have just been guarding the storage and not actually recording inventory. And my second question is, why didn't Negan take Michonne's katana? Uh, Michonne didn't really hide her contempt for Negan, and him taking away her weapon of choice would have been devastating to her. Well, that's all for now. Keep up the good work, and I love the podcast. And oh, by the way, uh, Negan is very thin, and you shouldn't be afraid of somebody with chicken legs. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I don't know. Chickens can scratch you with their feet, though, so... They can be dangerous. I find chickens kind of frightening, to be honest. If I was walking along and I suddenly found myself in a group of chickens, I'd be nervous. Uh, you, yeah, it could be. They'd chase you around. I don't know if they'd do much to you. I mean, they got that sharp little beaks and stuff, and their, their feet and claws and things can scratch you if you're wearing shorts, but uh, I wouldn't worry too much. Yeah, but they're unpredictable, I feel like. They are. Canada geese, on the other hand, you stay away from them in the spring. Oh, they'll... Like don't go anywhere near them, like cross the road and try and go down a different road if you can manage it. <laughs> yeah. Geese in general. I've been, I've been chased by geese and I did not enjoy the experience. Yeah. So, uh, back to Zafar's, uh, call though. Um, why wouldn't Negan take the katana? It's right there on her back. He, he would. Yeah. That's the problem. He would. It's it's a sword. It's a very cool sword. And he's taking all the other weapons. Is he too narrowly focused on just firearms to notice it? Or is it just that, I don't know, I don't mean to be too pessimistic or whatever, but Michonne is going to need that katana later for something, and so he didn't take it. Maybe maybe it's actually a plus three sword of concealment or something. Maybe nobody can see it unless you already know that it exists. So us as the audience, <laughs> we know she has it, right. so we can see it. But other people, they, don't, they just don't see it. It just blends right in with her. It's just, it, it just You just ignore it. Your mind just glosses over it and uh, doesn't notice it. Well, that must be it. So she should keep that secret from Negan and uh, don't yeah. make him aware of it. Cause... As soon as she says, I have a sword, or... She uses it in front of him. Yeah. He doesn't know she has it. Okay. Because that's... that's the only explanation, because I think he would take it away from her. I think he'd take that before the guns, frankly. He'd be like, that is a very cool sword. That's mine. Maybe he'll do that next episode. He might. See him. I don't know. Uh, do you remember what the other question was? <laughs> there was... <laughs> Damn it. This is This is not going well. Just play it again. Um, my first question is, why do you think Olivia showed Negan the inventory book? Right. Right. Inventory book. So inventory book. Was it just was it just lying out there for him to find or was she I, I my theory would be she's showing it to him to say, look, look how organized we are. You know, um, we are going to serve you well in in taking half of our stuff. And you'll always know it's half because we have everything categorized and cataloged. She's obviously a double dumbass. <laughs> and I let me explain why. Please, please do, because that's just mean. <laughs> First of all, she showed showed him the book or showed somebody the book saying, look, I have everything neatly tabulated, organized, and uh, here it is all laid out. And you can double check the actual inventory against this little book. And uh, it's all my fault if there's any discrepancies whatsoever. So that's dumbass reason number one. Dumbass reason number two is if you're keeping inventory in an apocalypse of any kind whatsoever, and you know there are bad people out there, 
you keep two copies of the books. You keep the real books, and then you keep the, the fake books that you give to the tax man at the end of the year so that hmm. you can hide some weapons. Like you have one accounting for the weapons that are actually in inventory, and you have one accounting for the weapons that uh, you want people to know are in inventory. So she was a dumbass on two accounts. I see. I mean, Rick would be hesitant to do that because he's so worried at this point about Negan finding out about any deception that I, I think he'd probably say, let's just be honest with them um, and and show them the books, which may have factored in to this decision. I don't know. Uh, but I think you're right. I mean, keep keep some if you're going to lie about it, go all the way. Yeah. Throw the book away. You know? what, <laughs> yeah. what book? These are the guns. These are the cans of things. That's right. You no, know, have yeah. at it. You and can take, you know, everything from, if you want half, you just take from here over to the left. And uh, if you want all of it, you take all of it. Half is generally pretty easy to figure out when everything's up on a shelf like that. So, uh, yeah. Anyways, um, I don't know. Maybe it's just bad luck. The book was out, sitting there open, and uh, Negan walked in. I don't know. All right. Uh, Lindsay in Pittsburgh gave us a call. Hey, Chris and Jason. This is Lindsay from Pittsburgh. Um, big fan of the show, but this is my first time calling in. I just had my second kid earlier this year and I discovered your podcast and I've been listening to all of the old episodes during the millions of nighttime wakings. Um, I think I'm near the end of season four now, but I'm also keeping up with the current ones. Uh, so thanks for the entertainment. <laughs> uh, anyway, I was calling to say, Chris, um, I am on the same page with you when it comes to Jeffrey Dean Morgan's portrayal of Negan. Uh, this episode, I think he just took it too over the top for me. Um, I just found myself being pulled out of it uh, and less in the moment because it wasn't quite believable. And, and when they zoom in on Negan's face, um, I think Jeffrey Dean Morgan's doing a great job and he's really kind of hitting the nail on the head with the evil charm that Negan has in the comics. Um, but, but then when they zoom out and they're showing him moving and walking around, I just feel like there's, I don't know, too much sway in his swagger or, you know, he dips his shoulders so low and leans back so far. And, um, something about it just crossed the line into cartoonish for me. And, and it meant that while I was watching the episode, I, there were moments when, uh, I just wasn't as scared of him as I should have been, I think. Um, or as I usually am. So I don't know. I mean, I liked him in previous episodes and maybe I'll come back around. We'll see. But anyway, when you said that, I was like, yes, totally. That is how I feel. Um, anyway, thanks for the great show, guys. Thank you very much, Lindsay. And I just want to say, first of all, that I was actually in Pittsburgh on the weekend. And that is a beautiful city, Jason. I loved my short time in Pittsburgh this weekend. We went and saw a Penguins game. That was a lot of fun. But man, that is a really, really nice city. And uh, I could really see myself going back there and visiting it again. Do it. Do I, it now. I'm not going to do it right now, but you know, maybe next summer or something, if we want to take a road trip, get down there, check it out. So um, just really great place. We went up onto what they, I think they call it Mount Washington, which is on one side of the river. And you go up high and you have this beautiful look out over the whole skyline of the city. And the weather was beautiful when we were there, blue skies, not too cold. And so it was just this beautiful, vibrant look at the city that I really liked. So I've uh, really, really enjoyed it. Oh, good. Uh, anyways, Lindsay's talking about 
um, about Jeffrey Dean Morgan playing Negan and how he's overdoing it a little bit, uh, at least with his body language. And that was a big part of it for me when I was talking about that on Monday. He's just kind of, he swings himself around a little too much and he overemphasizes things with his arms and his shoulders and his body language. And for me and for a number of our listeners, because we have a few more, uh, few more messages about about this um i I hope they don't continue to overdo it and maybe he needs to tone it down a little bit but is it bothering you at all no not really i mean everybody's pointing it out and uh, i can see it but i don't think it bothers me as much as uh you people (laughs) us people (laughs) what do you mean us people (laughs) (laughs) you people that think that (laughs) right okay (laughs) well uh yeah it's it it didn't bother me in the first episode, um, but it started to shortly after that. And again, I just I just hope they tone it down a little bit, and maybe Jeffrey Dean Morgan will sort of get more. He'll he'll uh, he'll become more comfortable in the role a little bit, and he'll uh, he'll just let it let it happen rather than. I feel like he's overthinking it almost. Right now, I have no right. idea about his his acting process or whatever, but I just I feel like he's putting a little too much into it right now. Right. It's a little too stagecraft. Maybe. Like, you know, when you're, you're acting on the stage, you have to make things bigger than you do uh, on TV and movies. Yeah. And be- this is from an outsider's point of view. I just assume that because, you know, on a stage, you have to act for the people in the, in the balcony. Exactly. Not everyone is like right up close to you looking through a camera. Right. So, so maybe it's a little too uh, stage acty. Yeah, that that could be it. I mean, that that's a good way of looking at it. And he just needs to tone down the stage acty a little bit and go for the TV acty. Yeah, I mean, William Shatner did that, and he made a whole career out of it. <laughs> you know, being stage acty and and uh, being a kook in later years. Yeah, for some reason, he doesn't bother me the same way though. No, that's because he's a character. Yeah, that's right. all on his own. <laughs> yes, he's constantly playing William Shatner. He is, and he's from Montreal, so what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yeah. All right, next we have a call from Anwen in New Zealand. Hey, guys, it's Anwen here from Dunedin, New Zealand. I'm so glad to hear that you are a bit better, Christina. It's really full-on news to hear. Um, really looking forward to hearing you back again on the podcast. Hope you feel better soon. Yeah, I just got finished watching episode this week. I have to agree with you, Chris. I think Negan is just a little cartoony. He's a wee bit one-dimensional. I haven't read the comic, so I haven't got any of his backstory or anything, but he's just a little bit too much. I keep expecting him to go ah and drag Rosita off by the hair or something. So I'm really hoping that we get some more backstory for him so it fleshes him out a little bit more. Um, apart from that great episode, I thought it was a little long. They could have cut it down a wee bit. Um, I think we get the picture. Negan's bad. He takes their stuff. Anyway, looking forward to seeing how the story continues. Keep up the great work. You guys make me laugh every week. I love the tangents that you go off on, Jason. You guys are awesome. See ya. First of all, Anwen, oh my God, your accent is amazing. <laughs> it is. <laughs> love, love that accent. And uh, Negan, again, a little bit cartoony. Do you think, Jason, that fleshing about his backstory, as she suggests, will will help with that? I really don't want his backstory. Really? I think I really don't. I think uh, he's sort of like the Joker, right? Uh, you know, you don't really get the Joker's backstory. You, I mean, he in I don't know about the comics. I'm not so familiar with the comics, but in all of the movies that he's been in, uh, you never really get his backstory. Except for stupid the uh, 
the first Batman movie, which you, you get his backstory, but I just discount that movie almost entirely. Hated that movie. I'm sorry. Well, which uh, one? Wait a minute. The, the first Christopher Nolan Batman or the first uh, um, Michael no, Keaton the, Batman? Uh, Michael Keaton. Really? With, uh, Jack Nicholson. Really? That's Oh, I really hated that movie. I hated every second of that movie. You can't say that it's worse than than the uh Val Kilmer or the Clooney Batmans. No, I didn't say that. Those movies are absolutely garbage. Yeah. But Michael Starting Keaton with that one. The Mike- I hated it. Michael Keaton was a horrible Batman. Jack Nicholson was a horrible Joker. That's an unpopular opinion, my friend. I Kim, think Kim Basinger just probably shouldn't have acted just write her out of continuity altogether in my opinion <laughs> what about danny devito as the penguin in the second one? Ah, oh, not so bad not so bad danny devito okay uh arnold schwarzenegger is mr freeze no that's terrible don't yeah, yeah. i don't even acknowledge that exists <laughs> uh, but but come on jack nicholson as the joker he did a very comic comic book friendly joker and i think it worked for that for that particular movie uh, I just didn't like it. I don't. I don't know whether it was uh, Tim Burton or whether it was the entire Prince soundtrack. And I like Prince, but you know, having Prince do the entire soundtrack for a movie just doesn't work for me. Hmm. There was nothing about that movie that really kind of sat with me and went, you know what? This is really good. Everything just kind of played off each other to make it an uncomfortable, annoying viewing of a movie right from the outset. I've seen it like six times. <laughs> so okay. Like including like twice, two or three times in the theater. So you've given it a chance. I've given it a chance. I just right. do not like that movie. That's weird. Now, granted, I haven't seen it in a long time. Speaking of tangents, and thank you, Anwin, for uh, acknowledging that I can go off on a tangent and uh, some people actually like it. Speaking of tangents, <laughs> uh, I felt the same way about the first, um, oh, what's the name of the movie? Arnold Schwarzenegger Goes to Mars. Mars Attacks? No, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he is uh, Total Recall. Oh, Total Recall. The first Total Recall movie. Hated that movie, too. Hated it from the outset. I saw it twice in the theater. Hated it every time, uh, both times. I never watched it again until uh, the, the other Total Recall came out, and I decided to revisit the original Total Recall and watched it, and I liked it. Well, that's the, a pretty good movie, too. The third time watching it, like 20 years later, I kind of liked it. So maybe I need to go back and watch this Tim Burton, Jack Nicholson, Prince, Michael Keaton, Kim Basinger bullshit movie again, just <laughs> to see if it's any good now. Well, okay. Total Recall, pretty good, I think. I've seen it a bunch of times. I never actually saw the remake. No, oh, don't. Just okay. forget it. And Tim Burton, Michael Keaton, bullshit Batman, not bad either, I think. Okay, well, I have to go watch it again. All right. There was nothing about that movie that I liked. So my point is, uh, we never got the Joker's backstory. Like, he just, he shows up as this fully-fledged character in uh, Christopher Nolan's Batman, especially. It was just like, he's, his his pockets are full of uh, lint and knives, and right. he's got no tags on his clothes. There's nothing to hint anything about what his actual backstory is. And he's a fully-fledged character and awesome, partly because of it. Uh, Negan... I don't want his backstory. I just want him to be this character without understanding why. Yeah, but the problem is the character isn't 100% working for, for me and a lot of people. And I get it. If it is for you, that's that's okay. But I, I think Anwen and me and everybody else uh, who agrees with us thinks that maybe if there was something more to him or something to explain this behavior, we might be able to buy into it a little bit more. Okay. And, but I, I can see your point too. Like, I mean, sometimes, sometimes you don't need to know 
where somebody has come from, especially if, if um, you have everything you need to know about them right in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So maybe we'll get his backstory. I definitely don't want uh, the backstory, uh, the, the amount of backstory we got for the governor. Because we got books, we got a uh, television show, we got, uh, we he, they tried to make him into a likable character. Like, we got so much information on the governor yeah. uh, by the end of it. Uh, I, do, I definitely don't want that kind of thing. I don't want a series of books on uh, on his backstory <laughs> and how he, you know, made Lucille. Yeah, no, we, we have enough Walking Dead properties to cover on this podcast already. Um, no, I think if they do Negan backstory, it will be built into the TV show. Right. But then again, this is The Walking Dead, and Robert Kirkman will do anything for money. <laughs> that's that's just so, me saying that. But it seems like he'll he'll license his creation to absolutely any medium or format that's out there. So, okay. Well, how about this? Uh, you know, Robert Kirkman, uh, I have an idea. Why don't you make a spinoff television show that's a prequel to The Walking Dead before the zombie apocalypse, where Negan is a private detective in New Orleans, uh, teamed up with a robot of some kind. I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> so just kind of a, a spinoff prequel that has nothing to do with zombies. So it's uh, ham and cheese. Yeah, like, sort of like ham and cheese, but uh, a prequel in New Orleans. Okay. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. And we don't have to watch it if we don't want to. No, we don't, because it's not a zombie show, right? It's just a, a, a Negan uh, private detective buddy comedy kind of thing. We don't cover cop shows. We cover zombie shows. That's right. All or right. robot shows. We've never done a robot TV show or movie. Yeah, robot apocalypse. That's something we need to... That's, somebody needs to do that. Yeah. Maybe. Or at least go to the go watch the Flight of the Concords with that uh, The Humans Are Dead song. It's such, such a good song. I love every song they've done. Uh, we should, oh my God, a Flight of the Concords podcast would be super fun. Mostly because we get to watch Flight of the Concords again. I love that show. Yeah, very, very good show. <laughs> okay, I'm going to read this email, right? The next one? Yes. yes, from, yes. From, from Ant in Essex in the UK. I almost jumped for joy when Chris perfectly presented the issues I have with Negan and this season as a whole. I haven't read the comics, but was well aware of Negan's impending presence on the show. And whilst I think The Walking Dead has suffered somewhat by repeatedly going through the tried and tested formula of introducing the next big bad, I was still looking forward to the arrival of such a famed character. Unfortunately, he is nothing more than an evil caricature, almost a parody of all TV bad guys. Swanning around the place as though on Broadway, swinging his hips this way and that whilst loudly orating, never losing that cocky sneer until it's time to get deadly serious. I wasn't expecting to see that much ham until I was sat around my grandfather-in-law's Christmas table. The governor was a complex individual with layers of complexity behind his crazed, paranoid psyche. He was a somewhat believable personality, and there was reasoning behind his behavior. And so enamored were we with our group at the time that we, or at least I, truly learned to hate the governor and his group, and I was engrossed. Watching Negan, however, and especially this season so far, I feel as though I am watching from afar, or sat bored at my local theater. Troy McClure might as well be playing the part. <laughs> <laughs> you might remember me from such zombie shows as <laughs> zombies. Who's going to take them? <laughs> that makes me sad. <laughs> yeah, a little bit uh, because he's dead. But um, 
Anyways, just just another uh, perspective comparing Negan to the governor here and how the, the governor was layered and Negan doesn't really seem to be. Now, to be fair, we have perspective on the governor. We had two seasons worth of governor character development to take from at this point. We've only had uh, three episodes involving Negan, I think, in The Walking Dead so far. So, you know, I I think to be fair, we would need to come back to this issue in three or four years when we've got a lot more Negan and a lot more material to analyze and see how we feel then. But as of right now, we're talking knee jerk reactions and that's okay too. Yeah. And remember we said the same thing about uh, Abraham, Rosita and Eugene when they first came on, that they were just seemed like caricatures Yeah, and they weren't fully fleshed out characters, but you know, they are now, uh, you know, a third of them are dead. But the other two uh, remain uh, solid and good to this day, even though they're still... Eugene is exactly the same as he was the day he walked on uh, on the screen. Mm-hmm. And when he walked on the screen, we saw him as a caricature. But now we see him as a, uh, a f- you know, a rich, uh, fully realized character. Yeah. So I think, we, I think you're absolutely right. We need to give this a little bit of time. Yeah, and, and, and I... <laughs> We will, I'm sure. I mean, I this is the kind of thing that I don't feel like we'll forget. We're still talking about it with Eugene and Rosita and and Abraham. Um, and like you said, we've we've come around and we sort of have a different perspective on those characters now that we've had some time. So at the end of season seven, season eight, nine, who knows? We can we can continue to talk about Negan and how he makes us feel. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's good. All right. Next, we have a call from Gareth in Bellyfeld. Bielefeld, Germany. Yeah, Bielefeld, Germany, I think. I don't know. I I think we pronounced it once and Gareth uh, corrected us or or maybe even praised us for getting it right, but I forget what it is now. I know in German, uh, when you have two vowels together, you pronounce the second vowel. Bielefeld. Bielefeld. That's what I think. All right, here we go. Hi, Chris and Jason, and get well soon, Christina. I I like... um, I like your speculation about how Negan acts. I like, I do like the character, I must admit. I do enjoy him uh, quite a lot. I don't, <laughs> I should hate him, but not as much as everyone else does, I suppose. But yeah, um, I like I like how he, um, how he comes across as very aloof, doesn't give a shit attitude. It's, it's my way or the highway. Um, and I just think that's his way of, just paving over the truth of what he's actually doing to people. He's breaking people to pieces, basically, and uh, doing what he wants. I'm, I'm so, I, I pretty much, well, he doesn't. He does that to everyone, doesn't he? Just takes all their shit and just doesn't even need it. Probably half the time. I mean, how many mattresses does he really need? Uh, so yeah, the whole point of that is, is every time they lie down to sleep, probably, um, yeah. <laughs> You think of him. You think of what you need to do tomorrow for him because you're lying on a cold floor. All right, so Negan, he makes you, he steals all your mattresses, so he, so you think about him when you go to bed at night. That's a really good point. That actually makes sense for stealing the mattresses other than just being a big dick. Yeah, well, he, he, he wants you always, he wants himself always on your mind, right? And if every yeah. time you lie down at night, you think, that stupid asshole I'm lying on this cold floor because that stupid asshole took all our mattresses and just lit them on fire in the road. Yeah. Well, yeah, if he wanted to not show 
that uh, he lit them on fire, he probably wouldn't just dump them on the road someplace that's close by. He would take them into wherever and dump them in a quarry, maybe, if there might happen to be a quarry available in, in, the, in the near <laughs> radius. Uh, but, you know, dumping them on the road and setting them on fire is a statement of, I took your mattresses and I'm just burning them. And you've got to live with it. Yeah, you, I don't even need them, but this is how much I control you, pretty much. Yep. So, good old Negan. Gotta love him. Gotta love him. Randy in Fawn Grove Township, Pennsylvania writes, I believe The Walking Dead will continue to decline in ratings as the show continues to overload the viewers with Negan dominating everyone. I know a few people who stopped watching based on being tired of Negan's total domination of Rick, Daryl, and the others. It is one thing for our group to have setbacks. It is another to watch three out of four episodes where Negan casually strolls around shitting on everyone, telling bad jokes and repeating his name, sorry, repeating his lame nursery rhymes. I do understand the writers are following the comic, but this story arc and overemphasis on Negan's character has not translated well to television. And that could be part of it as well. I wanted to include this because, you know, Negan in the comic is, first of all, extremely vulgar. The guy says the F word every second or third word in the comic. And they do that in the show. Uh, Sorry, they do. They film versions of his scenes in the show where he uses the, uh, you know, where he uses those vulgarities all the time. And then they put it on the Blu-ray. But for broadcast, they can't do that. So, um it is a little different. So I feel like almost they're, they're amping up some of the other stuff maybe because they have to tone down the dialogue for the broadcast version of the show. Yeah, it could be. And, and maybe it's not even conscious, right? Maybe it's just, that's the way it's going. It's like, well, we can't really tell you what Negan's like through the use of colorful vocabulary or uh, colorful language anyways, but so we're going to do it through other ways. And then they end up overdoing it a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, could be. Maybe the uh maybe the vulgar versions uh that we have coming on the Blu-ray will make everything make sense. It might, I don't know. I when I was at the Jeffrey Dean Morgan panel at Walker Stalker Con in Atlanta, which was a huge uh which was great, it was super fun. Greg Nicotero was there as well and he was the director of the first couple of episodes and and he said, you know, we we film everything once and then we film everything with the fuck takes. Which is the, <laughs> which is the same scenes just with the word "fuck" dropped in everywhere. It's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, exactly. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it feels different when he's dropping the f bomb every every five seconds. Hmm. Could, be. Could be. All right. Next, we have uh, Richard from Austin, Texas. Is it me, or is Negan really the reasonable one in this whole situation? Sure, he brutally killed Abraham and Glenn, but Rick and Maggie did decide to kill dozens of his people at the outposts, unprovoked and without attempting a peaceful solution. So, losing two guys compared to the ones Negan lost seems like a reasonable exchange to me. If anything, Rick is the bad guy in this whole mess. Pretty unpopular uh, opinion there, Richard, in Austin, Texas, but... I can see what you're saying, you know? Yeah. Negan said, you went and killed some of my guys. And when I came to kill your guys for killing my guys, you killed more of my guys. That's basically (laughs) it, right? Yeah. I mean, sure, that's a, it's a reasonable reaction and I can credit your skill, but I can't let that go. 
That's right. I can't let that go. So, you know, is Negan and Negan keeps telling everyone he really is reasonable and he's he's a nice guy once you get to know him. So, you know, it's it's all a matter of perspective. And is Rick the bad guy in this whole mess? He has killed more people. He he has killed more people. And if you need a metric for bad guy, killing people is a pretty good one. It's uh yeah, it's not the only one, but it's no. it's it's a good uh uh key performance indicator, a KPI. Absolutely. I mean, we if we learned anything from our uh our villains worse than Negan section off the top, I mean, Ramsey Bolton and and Joffrey, King Joffrey, sure, they killed people, but you hate them for a lot of different things, not just killing people. Well, you know, mainly for killing people. I mean, Joffrey, he did <laughs> well, I'm going to start spoiling Game of Thrones here for season, if that's okay. For no? okay, season 1 Game of Thrones, everybody uh, there's some big stuff in that season. If you all right, I'll seen just it. generalize. Right. He did some bad stuff that involved <laughs> killing people and then pointing it out to his girlfriend. Sure, he would like to brag about it. He liked to brag. That was season one and season two. I apologize. All right. Well, yeah. I but but I really feel like thinking back, especially Ramsey. I mean, they the killing was involved in a lot of the things they did. Right. Yeah. It wasn't the only thing though that makes you hate those people. No, there's there's a whole an, an anatomical reason for hating uh, <laughs> hating him in particular. That just makes you squirm. Oh yeah, lots. <laughs> there's a few of those actually. Yeah. So, um, anyways, uh, if we get back to the metric of how many people have you killed, and and think about it. Remember the questions Rick used to ask people: How many zombies have you killed? How many people have you killed, and why? So he, even Rick was thinking, you know, the metric for letting someone into our community is how many people have you killed? Isn't and there an infographic out there about how many people, uh, the various people in the walking dead have killed or how I thought there was an infographic about that. Yeah, I believe it's probably you're right. a couple of years old. We need, we need an updated version of the, uh, the infographic. We do. And I bet you Rick's list will just tower, uh, compared to everybody else's. Yeah. And Rick's list also well, includes little girl zombies. Right, Just sure. That one, that one little girl zombie. She's not a little girl. I mean, Carol actually killed a little girl, whereas <laughs> Rick killed a little girl zombie. Yeah, there's there's definitely a distinction there. Yeah. Um, but when you think about the three questions, I mean, really the important one is, I think, how many people have you killed in conjunction with why? But, you know, how many walkers have you killed? Nobody's going to be up too upset if you've killed hundreds of them. Yeah, I don't I don't kill any walkers. I just knock them out somehow. <laughs> That's and right. Then, uh, and then... Uh, bring them far from, it's like a, like a raccoon, right? You capture them and then you take them far away and then you uh, open the cage and let them go and hopefully they don't find their way back to your yard. Even though you're, you know, it's not supposed to do that with raccoons because it's not good for them. Yeah. Uh, and it's not, well, why? Because you move them away from their home? Well, yeah, because you don't, you don't, not necessarily moving them to another place where raccoons normally are and you might be introducing raccoons to that area. Well, which can be detrimental to the uh, the ecosystem in that area. I completely understand that, but where you and I live, you'd have to go pretty far to get to a, a raccoon free zone. You would. Yeah. All right. All what right. What are we talking about? <laughs> yeah. Back to TV. Uh, All right. So we'll just move on to Chris in the UK. No, we got a call no. from Angie in Birmingham first. Oh, I skipped a whole one that was a call. And then it'll be you doing Chris yeah, in yeah. the UK. Hi guys, it's Angie in Birmingham. Uh, first off, I just wanted to say it's great news about Christina. Chris, um, I've been really worried about her all week, um, so I'm glad to hear that she's on the mend. 
and tell us not to be so stupid that she worries about people liking or not. She's bloody lovely. How could you not like that woman? Uh, I don't know how you got a Chris, but you've got a good in there. Okay, just before we, I let Angie continue, I keep forgetting everyone who mentions that you know they're happy that she's doing okay. Um, that's that's wonderful. Thank you. She is doing fine now, and uh, she just went to the doctor today and had a follow up appointment, and they are extremely pleased with the way she is healing. So, oh, good. Things are things are are, are much better now, and um, thank you again to everyone for sending in your well wishes and making her feel really really good. And I'm sure she'll be back on the podcast at some point. So. Uh, look forward to that. Cool. All right, Angie. Sorry, continue. Uh, anyway, just wanted to say, you said um, Rick seems terrified of Negan, and he is, but not for uh, the reasons you might think. He's not scared for himself. He's scared for everybody else. He's the only one um, that has to worry about other people uh, other than himself. I mean, Glenn worried about Maggie. Ma- Maggie worried about Glenn. Um, you know, everybody was pallied up. Abe was worrying about Sasha uh, and Eugene and Rosita, but that was his crew. He didn't really care about the group as a whole, whereas Rick is got to look out for the well-being of everybody. Uh, everybody there is his family, loves them all equally. Uh, maybe not Spencer right now, but it's still his family, and he would still die for everybody there. Um, and not only that, not only uh, the group his family, he's one of the only people that actually has genuine family there. He has two children, and I don't have kids. I've got my dogs and my horses and my babies. Um, but I'm sure you two know now that you would die for your children, and Rick would, and, you know, he has to look after his kids, uh, no matter how often Carl tries to get himself killed. Uh, but he still has to look out for them. Um, and as for the gun that Negan shot, um, I'm pretty sure that was Rick's pistol, wasn't it? Uh, not the python, but the other one that he uses quite often. I'm sure that was his gun, and that's what the whole power play thing was about. Anyway, speak to you soon. Bye. Thanks, Angie. Um, so first of all, the gun. I didn't... It was definitely wasn't the python, which is Rick's kind of signature gun, but... Maybe that was another pistol he's used or handgun he's used at some point. I'm not totally sure on that. I'm not sure either. Yeah, but I mean, it would make sense. You know, I don't know how Negan or if Negan knows it's Rick's gun, but it is kind of one of those other power things to do, like take a man's gun, make him feel insignificant. (laughs) Uh Yeah. (laughs) You know, maybe. I don't know. And then back to Rick um, just feeling responsible for everyone. I mean, that's obviously one of his character flaws, actually. He really feels responsible for everyone. And they addressed it in this episode when Michonne said to him, you know, it's not your fault every time somebody dies, is what she said, I think. Yeah. Um, And he kind of knows that, I think, but I don't think he really believes it. I think he takes every death really hard and he he carries them all on his shoulders. So um, it's hard. It's hard for Rick to not... Um, want to protect everyone. And that's just part of his character, I think. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's the reason he, he's bowing down to Negan so much, in my opinion, one of them anyways. Absolutely. Yeah. He's, uh, he's definitely worried about, if it was just him, I don't think he'd, uh, he'd hesitate in taking the bat to the back of Negan's head or something, doing something else. Yeah. He, at this point, he is afraid to, He's afraid to lose the people around him because he's lost a lot and he doesn't want to be responsible for any more deaths. But I think he's also 
afraid to leave them. Like if he were to be killed, you know, he's a, he's he's no longer there to take care of Judith. He's no longer there to take care of Carl as much as Carl needs taken care of. And then, you know, be responsible or sort of be helpful to everyone else that's, that's around him. So he's sort of doubly pressured there to not, um, to not do anything against Negan at this point. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. All right, man. All right. Now is it time for Chris in the UK? It sure is. All right. So we have an email from Chris in the UK. Wait a minute. Who? Chris. In the UK. Oh, I love that guy. Yeah. All right. At first glance, Dwight's character took something of a step back this week. After some new, after some nuance last week, we got a one-note douchebag this week. Lazy writing? I don't think so. I think what we saw was the character Dwight plays when Negan is around. I'm not saying he's a good guy, far from it, but he's not the Negan zealot that he was pretending to be this week. At the very least, we can be pretty sure that Dwight hates Negan as much as we do. All right, so an interesting take on Mr. D here um that he's that he's playing a character. He's two different people. He's he's the Negan when he needs to be, but in private he's not quite on board. And how could you be after uh you know, after what Negan did to your wife? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I I think this is probably a uh a common uh thing in Negan's crew. So, uh I that's why I think that killing Negan is not going to have the immediate backlash that uh, we're afraid of. I, I think that there's a lot of people in Negan's crew that would be like, finally, somebody friggin' killed him. I was too scared to do it, but you're not. Uh, therefore, uh, we're going to, you know, we're going to have a vote to see who's going to be the next uh, leader of this Negan group. Or, or therefore, you're our leader now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be that way. I mean, it, it all depends on the nature, uh, you know, how Negan took power. Yeah. You know, did, did they all vote for Negan? Did they have like uh, a raffle of some kind? Uh, you know, was it what everybody playing dice and he got double sixes and went like, yeah, I'm the new leader. Name everybody Negan. Cause that's my name. You know, <laughs> and everyone went, uh, okay, boss. <laughs> okay, boss. You got the double sixes. So, yeah. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. So, I don't know. You don't know, eh? Well, yeah. <laughs> I think it's I think it's an important observation about Dwight, though. Uh, and now, obviously, he's the one that we we have any sort of character insight into in terms of in Negan's crew. Uh, and I think Dwight will. I think there's a lot of story to be told with Dwight. And you know, I'm trying to avoid talking about the comics because I do know what happens in the comics, and uh, this show loves to follow the comics these days. So I kind of expect that storyline to play out, which I won't get into here. Um, but you never know. Maybe they'll mix it up a little bit and uh, something different will happen. So, Well, in the comics, it uh, you know, the, they each take turns being the leader, right? Like, so for like three or four weeks, uh, one guy, you know, Dwight was the leader for a while. And then now Negan's the leader. And then later, uh, A-Rat is the next leader. So everybody's going to be named A-Rat. <laughs> so, That's the way it works in the comic, right? I'm actually kidding. Yes. You having not seen, read the comics, you're just making shit up. Yeah. Uh, and then, and am, I, am I right? You're not. You're not right. I'm not. Okay, no. good. A-Rat. Because I would hate to accidentally spoil <laughs> the comics. Accidental. I'm afraid of doing that. Accidental spoiler? I'm afraid spoiler? of something. Yeah, accidentally spoil the comics. Well, you, you, you have, you in a way have done that before. Wait, back last season when we were, when we were very, f just introduced to people from the uh, kingdom. Right. You called it a kingdom. 
without even knowing that's what it was. And oh, yeah. uh, that's not really a spoiler, I guess, but it was a bizarre coincidence. <laughs> cool. You know, so way to go in the bizarre coincidence category, man. Neat. All right. Our next email is, um, all right, Aha in the Netherlands. I'm, I'm, I know that's got to be wrong, but I apologize. Um, and Aha writes, the Judith reveal in this episode freaked me out a bit. I think all the details matter that the showrunners decide to give the viewers. So my first thought was, hell no, they are heading towards a situation where Rick is made to choose between Judith or Carl, a Sophie's Choice kind of situation. I also suspect Carl will find out that they are using that knowledge in his arc. So um, Rick choosing between his children knowing that one of them is not really biologically his. That could be crazy. Well, it could be crazy, but that's, I don't think that kind of thing factors in, right? Because he said, she's my daughter. Yep, that's true. So, uh, you know, he's he's fully on board with, uh, you know, parenting her. It just happens to know that she's uh, Shane's. You know what? He likes Shane, mostly, he, for a he, while. He liked Shane, yeah, for at the beginning. <laughs> right. So... Uh, yeah, so I think you're right. I mean, it wouldn't factor into that kind of Sophie's choice. But, uh, you know, g- giving us that reveal now is that foreshadowing to something that is going to happen later this season or at some point during the run of this show. It could be, and it could be rather unpleasant. It could be very unpleasant. So I don't know, but uh, it's an interesting point, and we will have to find out. We sure will. All right, next we have an email from Michael in London. At the end of tonight's episode, we had Rick make Spencer say yes after he threatened to break his jaw and knock his teeth down his throat. By making him repeat back what he's saying, he's doing the exact same thing that Negan forced him to do. Repeat the order so that the one repeating knows who's, who is the boss. Rick didn't need to make him repeat yes, but uh, him doing so really mirrored Negan and could have made him feel better about himself uh, and in control after how the saviors have treated him. Rick just needs one nice thing in his life, so he's going to be mean to Spencer. Right. So if somebody's being a complete dick to you, you know, you can feel better by being a complete dick to somebody else. Is that the way it works? I think so. Eye for an eye. Yeah. <laughs> sort of. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was interesting to see Rick do that after being so dominated by Negan to then, you know, inflicting his own kind of domination over one of his own people. So... You know, we used to say Rick and the governor were kind of similar in ways when you really looked at it. I'm not going to say Rick and Negan are similar, but hey, here's an example of where they're using similar, you know, techniques with their followers. Uh, yep. I, but, but it's hard to, it's hard to, you know, say anything Rick has done to the people he's friends with is, comes anywhere close to the way Negan has acted, so... Yeah, I mean, but Brick did have uh, Lucille for a while, right? Yeah, holding Lucille. Yeah. He got to he got to hold the bat for a while. You think that uh, imbues him with uh, asshole ollity? Make made him feel a little Negan, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that maybe Negan is uh, a perfectly nice guy, but it's the bat that's evil, and the bat makes people evil. Well, if you'd ask Negan about that, he would agree. He he talks about Lucille as if she is a real thinking sentient being all the time so okay you know well that makes sense i mean it happens with swords every now and again you get yourself a sentient sword and jesus that just really fucks up your shit for uh, a very long time 
Yeah. So maybe maybe the bat is a vampire bat and wants blood. And in order to fulfill its destiny of drinking the blood of other humans, it infects its uh, wielder uh, with uh, evil. The wielder. I like that. Yeah. So it's the bat. Okay. It's the bat. Just like it was the scope on Michonne's rifle. <laughs> well, yeah. No, that's true. There's an, there's an email about that later. Yeah, we'll get to that. All right, next up is, who's next? Matt in Yorkshire, UK, right? You are correct, sir. All right. Matt writes, hey, guys, after seven seasons of Rick developing into the character he was, I really do not buy into this whole broken and subservient Rick. After what we've seen him do and experience over the years, there's no way Negan, no matter how brutal their first meeting was, could have affected him to this level. He must be playing along with Negan until he can come up with a plan or gather greater numbers to take him on. So some people right. some people just believe that that Rick is not that weak to bend over and take it like he seemingly is, and uh, it's all just an act. Yeah, well, that's what you you got to do in these situations. You gotta you gotta play along. You gotta get along the, to play along, and or what is it? You gotta go along to get along. <laughs> okay, that's it. And then uh, you play along until uh, it comes time to uh, take him out. Yeah. The Negan, that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the thing is, I think at this point, though, Rick truly believes that he's doing the right thing. But I think he will come around or he will be convinced by the actions and the words of the other people around him, like Michonne and Maggie and those, to to eventually want to fight back, I feel like. But I feel, I feel like at this point, he genuinely believes believes this is what we have to do. We have to bow down to this guy and and do what he says, because he's the boss. Well, yes, but it's the reason as to why he's doing it. I mean, is it, does he truly believe that uh, Negan is the boss and he should just, that's the end all be all, is we have to do what he says because he's got the bat and uh, he's an evil motherfucker? Or is he doing that because we have to play along because we don't have the upper hand right now? We have to play along until we have an opportunity to regain the upper hand. Now, see, I, I don't think Rick has actually realized that yet. I think he actually right now is, this is it. This is our life now. And I think he'll come around to playing along and then he'll do that for a while. And then they'll strike or whatever, fight back. But I think right now he's he's completely like broken down. I'm not the boss. Negan's the boss. Let's just uh, do what he says. Right. Okay. All righty. And uh, okay, move on. Moving right along. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next, we have a call from Glenn in sunny England. Hi, guys. It's Glenn in sunny England. And again, it is actually sunny today. Listen, I'm sat here on the school run and I'm at the point of um, the, the holy crap. Uh, moments uh, from Monday's podcast. Um, you're talking about, and I understand the frustration that no one's taken a pop at Negan. I think the reason this is, is because what we've already been shown is that Negan has broken Rick. Rick is their leader. Rick will give people permission to do it. Rick will organise someone having a pop at Negan. But what Negan has done to prevent this from happening is he has broken Rick. And he has done it to the point that Rick gave him that look. Not the look where he gave him where it was, I'm going to have a pop at you. It was the look he gave him and said... I will not have a pop at you, and I will make sure no one else will as well. When he broke Rick and made Rick, made Rick his with the um, uh, threatening to chop Carl's arm off. The reason no one's having a pop at Negan is because their leader has had his own head cut off. He's like 
reek from Game of Thrones. He's not a threat anymore. And, and Negan knows that he can give him the bat and he can walk around and he can put his back to him. And neither Rick nor any of Rick's followers will take a pop at him. He is safe. He, he has made himself immune to their violence. And, and that's just not going to happen now. I mean, I'm not guessing it will happen eventually. Maybe someone will break Rick out of it and, and he'll... And, and everything's will change, but I think right now the whole point that no one's saying, and my wife is driving me nuts watching this program, <laughs> saying, why doesn't someone just hit him? Uh, and <laughs> I understand that, but it's because the repercussions, because they know that there will be repercussions. Rick knows there will be repercussions, and people will listen to Rick, and if Rick's saying don't do it, and if Rick is looking terrified, and if Rick is looking scared, and if someone has broken Rick down to that point where he is a lapdog wandering around with his guy's back, no one's going to have a pop at him. And and you, you heard from when, when Spencer uh, um, sort of back-chatted him that, that Rick's still got it. Rick says, shut up or I'll break your jaw. Say yes, and Spencer says yes. You know, he's Rick's still a scary dude, but Negan is scarier right now, and Everyone knows it. Anyway, I hope that's that's. I hope that helps. I hope, that, I hope I'm right. Um, and uh, and uh, love the show, guys. Uh, listen to you all the time. Um, never miss an episode. Been there from day one. And uh, and uh, congratulations on the baby. And um, and I hope uh, Christine feels a lot better very soon as well. Cheers, guys. Speak to you soon. Bye bye. All right, Glenn. Thank you very <laughs> much for that wonderful call. Um, that was awesome. First of all. Uh, great impression of your wife. <laughs> yeah, please call in with an impression of your wife every week. <laughs> wait a minute, That'd wait be- a minute. I was going to say, <laughs> please have your wife call in so we can we can hear the original version of, of, of her and uh, validate or confirm how good your impression was. No way. No way. I <laughs> no. want his impression of his wife uh, yelling at the TV every week. It was very Monty Python. Very uh, Monty Python. Was, I, I could awesome. hear um, Terry Jones in there. Terry Jones, the guy who always played the uh, the women in Monty Python. Um, and then uh, everybody wants to have a pop at Negan, which I think is a great phrase. It is a good phrase. And it, it, it raised, he also raised a very good question. He talked about Reek. You know, is Rick Reek or is he Arya Stark? You know, is he, is he uh, a broken shell of a man that uh, can't uh, seem to uh, pull his manhood together? Sorry, uh, in <laughs> no, order to uh, to do, uh, you know, to 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 do the the, the, the <laughs> I don't know how to phrase this without using to, the phrase nasty deed in conjunction with his manhood that he needs to pull together. I seem to be focusing on a very particular member. <laughs> <laughs> My God, man! I'm tired. I didn't get enough sleep last night. That's all right. Okay, so is he reek? Uh, you know, where he's, uh, t- his identity of Theon Greyjoy is gone, where he's just this broken shell of a man, or is he Arya Stark, where she, where he's just pretending to be something, uh, and then, uh, until, like, she knew full well that, uh, she's not, she wasn't going to be what they were making her out to be. Like, she, that was foreshadowed early on in her, uh, in her story in the, in the later seasons. But uh, so, you know, the question is, is he Reek or is he Arya Stark? Well, that's an interesting question. I think uh, Rick is not quite Reek because he's not there. It's not like there's no semblance of his former self. Right. Because there's some there's still some Rick in there. 
Uh, the thing about it is what I found most interesting about Glenn's message was that, uh, we've been sitting here talking about take, take a pop at Negan and you, you cut the head off the snake and the rest and the body just dies, which is kind of what Negan did. He, he didn't actually kill Rick, but he removed him for all intents and purposes as their leader and the rest of the group can't deal with that and they won't take any action because their leader is gone right smart fucking negan he, he knows what he's doing whether he knows it or not <laughs> you know right so <laughs> i don't know but I- interesting and does explain why nobody would try to try to kill negan um but things are going to change and uh things are going to change quick i think and we will see what happens cool uh, who is it now? You or me? Uh, you. All right. So this comes from Jamira in Indianapolis slash Puerto Rico. <laughs> uh, Jamira says, when Negan grabs that drink from the cooler, takes a sip and then just throws it down. Did you guys notice what type of drink it was? It was orange soda in reference to Dr. Denise. Oh. Can you hear my heartbreaking? <laughs> also, regarding that creepy, disgusting, worthless man bothering Enid, did you guys catch that those were the balloons her and Glenn filled up as a sign for Maggie to know he was okay? Oh, he's not okay anymore. Sadly, he's not okay anymore, <laughs> no. But the balloons, I didn't think of that. Yeah, they used balloons, and I guess those were them. And the orange soda kind of a bummer tara still doesn't know that denise is dead oh no that's true eh? i hope they make a big deal out of that to be honest like i hope finally when tara comes back and she finds out everything that's going on i I hope she's still really devastated by denise's death i'm sure she will be yeah it would be dumb if if she isn't so get it together show (laughs) (laughs) and bring her back yeah and bring her back i'm actually i'm actually for once anxious to see the the bottle episode involving her and heath i think that'd be good i want to i want jesus to come back jesus is gonna fuck some shit up he is he's coming back this week i think cool yeah good old jesus all right next we have bill in indiana uh an internet theory daryl blinked morse code to rick michonne walked past a morse code chart on the wall in her house Daryl, uh, so I noticed that, uh, uh, I noticed that chart. Yeah, me too. That's kind of a big, obvious piece of art inside this house. Yep. Uh, okay. So, uh, Bill goes on to say, Daryl is alleged to have said, I East. This actually seems pretty legit since they show us the chart. Okay. So here's the deal with this, Jason. That chart, the Morse code chart on the wall in the episode jumped out at everybody. It's like, why would that be there? It's kind of a weird wall art. To be fair, I'd put it up in my house because it's kind of cool, I think. <laughs> and you could just learn Morse code by walking by it every day. Um, but it's weird. It's weird to have that on your wall. So people started thinking, I wonder why it was there. They're not just going to do that by accident. Every bit of information is important. So they looked through the episode and there is a scene where Daryl is looking at Rick and Rick is looking at Daryl and Daryl starts blinking. And People generally think he was blinking Morse code or Morse code, and that was put in the episode so we'd be able to, so the viewers would pick up on it and be able to decode the message. And the message has been interpreted a couple of different ways, but most common is I East. So does that mean I am East or 
like take the interstate and go east. And he's essentially telling Rick where Negan's compound is. Okay, so I I see that as a legitimate thing, as a but I don't think that they didn't show us that anybody uh, in the compound in Alexandria caught it. Oh, I don't know, man. I've, I've, if you, if you look, if search for this on the internet and look at the articles that have been written about it, and there are many, there are some screenshots of, of Rick looking extremely, um, intensely at Daryl. And to be fair, those screenshots could have been taken a little bit out of context and things like that. But I think they meant us, if this is a thing at all, I think they meant Rick to have picked up on a secret message, coded message. How are they going to show us this in the story? Well, like, how are they going to bring it up? They're going to do a flashback where we see the eye blink and then we're going to have, uh, uh, you know, Rick decode the, the eye blink and, and like, how are they going to? I don't understand how they're going to tell us in story terms how they understood what uh, what Daryl was saying. Yeah, and that and that's still to be figured out. I, I'm to, I'm with you a little bit there. It's going. It could be awkward, but it, I mean, I could I could see, you know, this group of Alexandrians sitting around. Once Rick has kind of come around and gotten out of his reek phase, um, you know, I could see him saying, Daryl sent me a message. And everyone's like, what did he do? And and Rick explains what happened. Um, That's a horrible way to storytell. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I, I don't know. Like it. The only way they could get away with it is if it got caught on camera and then somebody was reviewing the footage of the camera while, because uh, they showed a camera, right? Yes. So maybe it got caught on uh, on that camera. Somebody, Enid picked it up and filmed it and said, hey, look at this. I saw this chart in your house and uh, I think he's trying to tell us something. Nah, that would be more dumb, I think. I think it would be, I would be okay with it if they were sitting around at a town meeting and Rick said to everyone, guys, I have something to tell you. Daryl sent me a secret message and he's not going to say secret, but he's going to say, Daryl sent me a message. message. Yeah. Yeah. So this, there's a real life analog to this. Okay. There was a, I forget the exact story. I'd have to look it up, but just from my memory, uh, there was an American prisoner of war who was put on, uh, on camera and, uh, a footage was taken of this person and sent to the United States for, uh, either ransom or political, whatever. But the, uh, the prisoner of war blinked in Morse code to tell, uh, to get a message to the, uh, to the U S, uh, military. Jeremiah Denton, ex-senator and Vietnam POW who blinked torture in Morse code, uh, recently, well, a couple of years ago died at the age of 89. Right. Okay. So I did. I did know there was a real life analog to this. So, uh, and the way that he was able to get that across wasn't in a live uh, back and forth with an actual person in a room because that's hard to uh, hard to convey. But it was through videotape uh, that they did this. So that's why I'm thinking in order to storytell this, uh, they have to take it from the the real life story where somehow we have to get this on tape. And that might be why the camera was introduced into the story. I think that overcomplicates it, though. Like, I, I see what you're saying. If it's if they're trying to mimic this real life thing, sure, it has to be on tape. The camera, the camera was introduced 
And you're right. It didn't feel like it had much of a purpose other than for Negan to make jokes about it. And frankly, the guy had made enough jokes at that point, in my opinion. So why do even more? Hey, Negan, you got to see this. This Here's a picture of a guy with a beard. And this is the guy right there, but he doesn't have the beard anymore. And we're gonna- hey, that's funny. That's a great thing. I wouldn't fuck with that guy. Yeah. You know, like, You do a why? great Negan. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. And that's the thing. Like that all didn't feel all that important and maybe someone would disagree with me on that, but uh, you know, to to just have that there for the comedy purposes of saying that's quite the man bush on you and stuff, that doesn't feel like it really makes a lot of sense. So that gives some credence to your theory that the camera was there for some other reason and they caught this on tape. But for me, I think that is an unnecessarily complicated and silly way to reveal the fact that Daryl was sending a hidden message. I think not using that would make it complicated and silly. Because what are they going to do? They're going to do a flashback to show his eye blinks? They don't have to show it. Rick just has to say, Daryl sent me a message. He, he in Morse code. And look, I, I understand. Me Even me saying that out loud makes me think that's stupid, but... I have a feeling this might be what they're trying to do. I mean, why else would this giant Morse code poster be so prominently featured in the episode? I don't know. It just, I noticed the, I know uh, in the same house, I noticed the, uh, the coffee table and the end tables. I thought they were really nice uh, coffee table and end tables. And I'm sure that they weren't significant in any way. It's just, but I've been, you know, but looking up stuff on woodworking recently and, but I, and I noticed them and say, Hey, those are really nice. Every house has coffee tables and end tables, but, a but more... these are really nice. And I really, I, okay. I enjoyed them. I understand. That's fine. I, I get a hard on for furniture occasionally too. However, a Morse code <laughs> poster is big. <laughs> big and super weird, super unusual. Like, we've never seen it before on the show. Like, we've seen the interior of these houses plenty of times, never seen a Morse code poster. Why is it there now? Because it's important to the episode, because somebody sent a secret message in Morse code. Okay, so what do we have? We have uh, a big stupid poster, we have uh, Daryl Blinken. And we have a camera introduced for no apparent reason. And and we have Rick seemingly interested in trying to communicate with Daryl and being shot down. Okay, so we got four things. I think this is a real thing. Okay, the fourth thing, though, is important because, like, twice. He, he, first he tried to talk to Daryl and Negan shut it down. And then at the end he asked, can Daryl stay? And Negan shut that down. And... And so we're there. We're led to believe that there is no communication between the two when there really is. And that's what makes it so intriguing. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. All and right. I think that that fourth thing is uh, is important. And uh, I think this is a thing. OK, <laughs> I was taking a drink there. <laughs> I, I, I shouldn't have stopped talking so immediately uh, and gave you a chance to finish your drink. Uh huh. Yes. So I absolutely think this is this is a thing, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how they figure out how to tell us this is a thing. Got it. So that's all you're worried it doesn't about. Do, I don't think that they're going to be able to do it in a good way, but you know, they're professional writers. I'm just this guy who talks on the internet every now and again. True. So we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued by this whole setup, and uh, you're right. I'm, I'm curious to see how they pay it off. I hope they do. Yeah. All right. Uh, Laura in Copenhagen. Beautiful. Another beautiful city I've been to. Not last weekend, though. Laura writes, Daryl doesn't know that Maggie isn't really dead. He's standing right behind Rick when Father Gabe pulls his sneak attack on Negan, and he has no way of knowing it's a ruse. I wonder how that's going to affect him since he already feels so much guilt for Glenn's death. 
Yeah, if, uh, if Maggie's well, dead too. Well, maybe Father Gabriel is uh, trying to. He was secretly communicating with Daryl. Did he mention a Bible verse in this uh, in this episode at all? Oh, I can't. Was his uh, Bible open to a particular verse? Because uh, there's probably a verse in the Bible somewhere that kind of goes along the lines of "He's not really dead," <laughs> or "She's not really dead," or something like that. So maybe he was able to communicate with Daryl through the Bible that Maggie's not actually really dead. Well, I don't think so, but uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, anyways, poor, poor Daryl. He he feels responsible for Glenn's death, and if he really genuinely thinks Maggie is dead now too, that guy's like, oh man, husband and wife killed all because of me. And baby, unborn baby. Unborn. Oh Jesus, poor guy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next we have an email from Martin in Yorkshire, England. Uh, Regarding the rifle that Michonne was shooting with, I do feel that the sights are off. I think this will come into play later in the season. As yours, we saw Michonne miss numerous shots at the walker, but managed to kill a deer with a wayward shot. Negan and his men did not see this. All the info they have is that they have a hunting rifle and a freshly shot deer. To them, there's no reason to believe that the sights on the rifle are off. I think maybe later in the season, the misaligned sights may be the window of opportunity that Rick and the gang are waiting for. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how that's going to work, but I do think a a rifle with a misaligned sight could be somebody's saving grace at some point. Well, somebody's going to aim that rifle at Michonne, and she's going to think the the sights on that thing are really rather screwed, so I'm just going to run up that to them with my katana uh, because they can't see it and I will slice their heads off before they notice that I have a katana. Sure. And yeah, something like that. That's That rifle is going to be pointed at somebody and miss. And that is going to give that somebody or maybe somebody else who's waiting for that to happen the opportunity they need to launch a counterattack. It might not even be a knowing thing, right? It might just be a, they right. took a shot at somebody and missed. And we as viewers go, you know what? That makes perfect sense because that thing can't shoot for shit right now. Yep. Uh, they need to give that to Shane to take it to the advanced class uh, to sight that uh, that rifle in. <laughs> yes. But Shane's dead, so... and uh, That's not happening. That's not really happening. Yeah. But I, I can see this as uh, being a thing later on. Yeah, totally. And I obviously, mean, I believe that all the weapons, melee weapons in this show are magical in some way. Right. You can only see them when you know they're there. Or they're uh, sentient and uh, make the uh, wielder evil. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like Lucille. That's has right. a name. Yes, of course. Or both. I mean, some weapons can make you evil and some are in- invisible until you're aware of them. Yeah. Well, Very I mean, interesting. Uh, the, uh, Michonne's sword doesn't have a name. It's not a named blade, is it? No, I don't think so. Oh, well. But she should give it a name. Give it a name. Yeah. Okay. One more email here and then we'll wrap it up. This is a kind of a long one. And this comes from an anonymous listener who did mention their name in in the email. But uh, this person works in the TV industry as a writer. And, uh, you know, I... They they weren't sure they wanted this. Uh, now, there's nothing like incriminating in here, but there's some information about the industry here. And we thought we'd just read this because I found it interesting. So we were wondering why Carol didn't have visions of previous characters on the show. And there's some insight from this listener as to why that is. So long email, but I thought it was interesting. Here, here we go. I was told when I wrote my first episode of TV that the writer is king in TV. 
In movies, the director is God. He has final say on the day-to-day of what he envisions, and he can haggle and argue with producers, but that's not the case in TV. In TV, the showrunner is God, and the writing staff, usually 10 or so, are his or her disciples. The writing staff is usually consistent, at least through a season, and every writer for every episode is backed by the showrunner. TV directors rotate from episode to episode and show to show, and therefore their power is minimal. They're brought in to mimic the show's tone and, more importantly, stay within budget. They're not part of the regular staff and crew. They'll have meetings and suggest what they want to see on screen, but that's it. A suggestion that still must fall within the show's Bible. And if the uh, director and the showrunner have a disagreement, the showrunner has the final say. End of story. So to The Walking Dead specifically, Season 7, Episode 2, you guys were talking about Carol's visions. I liked it but I understand your qualms. It would have been nice to see an old actor she had killed before in her hallucinations, but that costs money. For example, not only would the dead girls, Lizzie and Mika, have to be paid for appearing on the show, which is a day's work, 12 hours minimum, but the business is weird because the writer that first introduced them would get paid too. So another example, the writer that wrote Tell It to the Frogs, i.e. Daryl's first appearance, gets a royalty payment for every single episode he is in after that. Every single episode. It's called a character payment. And by not having Carol's visions be characters we know, it keeps the production costs way down. Also, the director of a pilot gets paid throughout a series' entire run, and that's why directors kill each other to direct a pilot for a long-lasting TV show. It's a weird business we work in, for better or worse. There's always a constant struggle between the producer and the showrunner. The showrunner will say, we want X, and the producer, producer will say, no, but you can have Y. It's a constant struggle to have their cake and eat it too. And FYI, this is more insider trading. If the producer of a show comes in under budget for a season, then he or she usually gets a huge bonus. Huge. Nice. <laughs> so I, I just thought that was some interesting information. I'd never heard of the character royalty before, where if you write an episode that introduces a new character, you get paid every time that character's in an episode. That'd, that'd be awesome. Seriously. That's, I want to do that. That well, makes me want to be a writer. Kind of, yeah. Or the guy who writes the pilot gets paid, like, for the throughout the run of the show. So, like, you, you do friggin' Simpsons, and who maybe it was different 28 years ago, but even on Walking Dead, the guy who wrote the pilot, Frank Darabont, I guess? Did he write the pilot? Uh, he was the showrunner. Yeah, I forget if he was the writer, but whoever wrote the pilot of that show has gotten paid for seven seasons worth and counting. Yeah. Interesting. And then, you know, just the whole character thing. So they save money by not bringing back a past character. And, you know, it all comes down to money, like most things do. And so, you know, if whoever's running or if the producer, as he, uh, this this uh, listener writes at the end here, says at the end, comes in under budget, they get a big bonus. So nice. Yeah. So that'd be great. I mean, Anyways, interesting information, I thought. Very good. How many uh, how many directors does it take to screw in a light bulb? How many directors does it take to screw in a light bulb, Jason? Well, can we move that light bulb over here? Yes. Uh, how many producers does it take to screw in a light bulb? <laughs> how many, Jason? Does it have to be a light bulb? Right. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> uh, all right. 
that's it. Thank you so much to everyone who wrote and called in this week. This was a longer than usual uh, feedback episode, but that's cool. And uh, well, I think so. I don't know, but we didn't start recording right when we, uh, sorry, we didn't start talking right when we started recording. So I don't know. It feels longer, but anyways, feels good. I like this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like them all, but this one was great. So that's, uh, that's going to do it though. Thank you so much. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do that by sending email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. You can also click uh, the send voicemail button on our website, which is talkingdeadpodcast.com. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead. If you have a free minute when you're sitting around not doing anything, I think what you should do is head over to iTunes and leave us a review there. That is a great way to help grow the show a little bit and get us noticed and uh, bring us up in the iTunes rankings if we can a little bit. That would be fantastic. And then uh, if you're shopping at Amazon, another great way to help is to click on our Amazon links by visiting talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon and choosing the country of your choice. We uh, super appreciate everyone who does that and supports the show in whatever way they choose. Um... We will be back on Monday next week when we're talking about Season 7, Episode 5, and I'm looking forward to that. So uh, unless there's anything else, Jason, I think we're ready to call it a night. I have nothing else. I think we should call it a night. Wonderful. Until next time, everyone, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.